So welcome to the Dentist Pocket Playbook Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Harry Singh, helping you grow your aesthetics business. I'm really excited for our guest today, who I met a number of years ago. I won't say how long, because that will give away our ages. Um, and it's welcome to Shannon, who's editor and event manager at Aesthetics, which incorporates magazines, events, and awards. So welcome, Shannon. Hi, Harry. Thanks so much for having me. Really excited to chat to you today. So yeah, it's a long, long time ago we met at Wonder Facial Aesthetics Conference. So um, what got you involved in the aesthetics industry at the beginning? Yeah, I mean, it was a long time ago now, Harry. Um, I, I remember joining the industry thinking I was a real, I was a real youngin at age 23, but now that's not really the case anymore. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, I actually, my story is I did a Bachelor of Journalism and Creative Writing uh, back in Australia. I'm from uh, Australia originally, as you can probably tell. Yep. And um, I decided to take a year off to go traveling and, you know, see the sights of Europe. And as part of that, I wanted to stop over in, in the UK and live in London for about a year or so. Um, I got a first, my first ever kind of job outside of uni, which was with Aesthetics Media, as we were known back then. And um, I, you know, started as a very junior journalist, uh, with the help and guidance of Mandy Cameron, who was the editor yeah. at the time. And uh, anyway, one thing led to another, Harry, and you can tell that I, you know, eight years later, I'm still here in the UK, um, absolutely loving it and loving working within aesthetics. So that's how I got into the industry. And I kind of just, you know, really delved in and thought it was such a fascinating industry and, and worked, um, worked hard. And now I'm, yeah, as you said, editor and event manager. So, yeah. Perfect. And it's quite strange how, like us English, we want to go to Australia for travelling and you guys want to come over here, there. So did you have any family here or do you just make the decision yourself to come over? Yeah, I mean, my parents actually um, met over here when they went travelling. So they raved about, you know, the the London lifestyle and they lived over here and I had a few cousins here. I'm half Kiwi, so I had some New Zealand cousins here as well. Um, and it was just really fun. I, I also had some friends who had moved over already. So it was just one of those fun journeys that I embarked um, as kind of a working holiday, which hasn't ended. So <laughs> Have you got used to the British weather? <laughs> oh, you know what? I'm, I'm never going to, I don't think. Every winter, I think, what am I doing here? And um, this summer as well. <laughs> the summer's been cold. This spring's been really bad. Yeah, I mean, at least you can pop over to Europe, um, which I think is the saving grace of living here in the UK. It's amazing that you can just go for, you know, one hour flight, you're absolutely anywhere, whether you want to go skiing or, you know, summer, it's amazing. Yeah, no, perfect. So obviously you said you involved in the Cetics magazine, the conference exhibition and awards. So what is your typical week like? So my typical week is actually very varied. Um, it, it does change every day, which is something that I love about the job. Um, and it's something that kind of I really need to kind of push me forward because I, I really am always kind of thinking, oh, what's next? And um, I never like to kind of be complacent and do the same thing all day. So, you know, it really varies from editorial planning with the Aesthetics Journal, with my team of journalists, um, to editing articles from some of the, you know, UK's most influential practitioners. I know we've worked together on articles before in, in the past, Harry, which has been uh, absolutely amazing. Uh, not for me. I'm your stickler with references and, God, I'll spend half my time researching references. <laughs> I know. We're a medical journal, so we're very hot on references and making sure that, um, you know, we have the latest data in the, in the journal. Um, of course, I'm also attending lots of events. 
events. So whether that's product launches or events to do with industry associations, um, I go there to kind of learn um, the, the latest techniques and tips and innovations, um, as well as kind of network and, and really kind of meet new and upcoming practitioners. Um, although also those who have been in the industry for years, um, yeah. go to lots of training events. Um, I'm also, you know, as part of my event manager role, I'm also kind of meeting with lots of companies and talking about their kind of um, plans for the, for the next year and, um, you know, working out how we can support them um, in and kind of working with the whole community, really. So um, some days I also get to do fun things like this and record podcasts. So it's uh, there's lots going on. <laughs> yeah, and, and you sit from both ends, from obviously the clinician end and then obviously the suppliers and distributors there. So you get a good angle in aesthetics, which leads me nicely to my next question. And you've been in the industry for eight odd years what do you think has been the biggest changes that you've seen in our industry that's a good question i think um well the sheer volume of people working within the industry i think has just grown exponentially i mean there's so many um new training providers and people entering aesthetics i think particularly kind of across and throughout covid that's been a, a huge um growth area i know that ace we saw a big influx of new practitioners um you know who were kind of one two years in the industry which is absolutely uh, incredible to see so many people kind of coming into the industry um so that's that's one thing i think is just is just crazy and also you know the patient perspective i mean most people eight years ago didn't even know the difference between botox and fillers and had no clue about any of this i think when i started i thought you put toxin in your lips um yeah. you know i was that i was that naive about aesthetics and now i mean you know people in their you know early 20s and 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 even younger than that kind of know all about the industry uh, i'm not saying that the uh, consumers are as educated as we want them to be yet um yeah. there's still a lot way to go but i think that is one thing that's that's really driving this industry forward is the is the awareness um, of what can be done which is fantastic um the other thing i would say is kind of the conversations and awareness around complications um yeah. which is excellent i mean it's not excellent that there's complications arising, of course. Um, but when I started, I know that trying to find a, a case study, for example, um, of someone who was uh, happy to kind of talk about a complication that they'd, um, you know, either caused or had been referred to and how they managed it, um, it was really difficult. Um, but now I think there's a big focus on awareness of complications, prevention and management, I think, which is fantastic. Um, also, there's, you know, been associations um, which, which have launched and also different conferences um, all focused on this area, which I think is really important. Um, I mean, I could keep on going, Harry. There's just been so many developments. I think they're the ones that I can think of now. <laughs> and definitely complications. I remember my training 20 odd years ago, complications were never mentioned. Uh, we never thought they happened. So it's definitely been a good part. So let's say you've got a crystal ball. Where do you see the aesthetics industry in the next five to 10 years? Five to 10 years. I mean, I think it's it's a difficult one because we don't know where this new technology um, in terms of, you know, AI, the metaverse or anything like that's going to go. So I'm really interested in seeing how that will impact the industry because I do think it will have an impact. Um, you know, particularly on the the way people perceive themselves, um, what they're using to kind of benchmark beauty, which has such an impact on our industry. So I think that'll be something to watch, but I can't really project exactly how it's going to pan out, to be honest, but it should be interesting. Yeah. Um, 
the other thing I think is regulation, which is um, I think finally seeing some sort of developments um, in the past year or so, which is great um, with government health and social care bill. Um, of course, it's a you know it's a contentious um, debate uh, regulation, and I think it always will be. But uh, you know the government is proposing some sort of licensing scheme for both practitioners and premises, which I think is a really good start um, for the industry. And realistically, we're only talking about now it's early days. Um, so we won't be seeing that coming into place for another, you know, two, three, maybe yeah. plus years. Um, so I think that'll be something really key. The other thing I think, Harry, uh, which everyone's been talking about, but it's really rising again at the moment now is kind of regenerative medicine and, and the role that's going to be playing um, in the industry. Um, I think it is still, again, early days now, um, but I think practitioners are really starting to shift their mindset um, in terms of how they treat and approach patients from um, kind of just treating a wrinkle to looking at patients from a holistic point of view, looking at yeah. their um, health span, uh, looking at their overall wellness um, and longevity as a person. And within that becomes, you know, regenerative medicine and the treatments that are going to stimulate your, your body to actually do the work and, and have some long-term results, um, which I think patients believed are to be, you know, more natural as well, which with yeah. patients want, we know. So yeah, that's that's what I think is probably going to happen in the next five to ten years. But there's I think there's possibilities are endless in this industry. Things are changing all the time. Yeah, perfect. And yeah, I've been on a couple of recent conferences and yeah, talk about regenerative medicine, exosomes and stem cells. So hopefully it's not too late for me when they become widely available so I can use it turn back the clock there I know that's the thing I think maybe we all started the industry a little bit too uh a bit yeah. too early we needed to be beginning in a few you know 10 years from now yeah that's <laughs> it there um a couple of fun questions um so have you ever posted a TikTok video you know what, Harry, I have, um, but I'm not exactly proud of it in terms of, um, you know, I gave it a go because I think TikTok is the next big thing um, in, in aesthetics. Um, there was a study that came out quite recently talking about TikTok and aesthetics and beauty um, that was kind of saying that there's a lot of misinformation out there on TikTok. Um, it's got a really young audience, so um, there's a lack of uh, real credible kind of resources when it comes to aesthetics out there so I do think it's an area that practitioners definitely need to be tapping into um, so anyway I yeah I did try to do a TikTok um, I did a TikTok of a, of a treatment that I had with Sharina Balaratnam which um, was an amazing hydrofacial treatment but uh, looking back at my TikTok Harry I'm definitely a TikTok novice um, <laughs> no dancing was there no dancing involved <laughs> no I didn't do any dancing although um, the aesthetics journal have just started a TikTok account and we are starting to do some of those fun things so stay tuned you nice. might be seeing me yeah, <laughs> you might be seeing me doing some dance routines very soon <laughs> well I, my, my kids have banned me from tiktok they're too embarrassed for me to post anything yeah. really have you what have you posted on tiktok nothing but I'm, I'm not allowed to go on it according to my kids because they're all on it and then i'll do some kind of dad jokes videos dancing or you try to embarrass them yeah. But I did hear a couple of um, speaking to some physiotherapists and they worked really well with TikTok more, like answering frequently asked questions, ask the expert. Mm -hmm. And I find yeah. that's a really good novel way to get your brand out there in your clinic. Yeah. Definitely. And I think I think even if you're not using TikTok and you're not confident to take that step yet, I think it's really important to be 
on TikTok um, because the fact of the matter is your patients or your future patients are on there um, and you need to know what's trending. So there's all these different beauty trends that will that will trend like the no tox trend that there's like oh there's so many skin skinimalism it's just um yeah loads of different trends on tiktok so if you're if you're um aware of these trends and you can be first to kind of explain to people what what they're all about um your ethos behind them whether that's on yeah, you know yeah. a blog or on your instagram or wherever yeah no you make an important point because i've had a couple of patients ask me go what do you think of this and they found it on TikTok and they just said, you need to be educated yourself as a clinician mm. because your patients will be on it and see yeah. what's the latest trends. Um, you touched on it. Um, apart from hydrofacial, have you had any other treatments? Yes, I have. I mean, of course, you can't write about these treatments for years without having any. Um, I must say, I, so I did start the industry really young. You know, I was very cautious and I didn't want to start too soon. Um, so I've done, yeah, I've, I'll reel them all off. I've had <laughs> microneedling with skin pen. Love yeah. that. Um, I thought that was a really good, you know, like gateway treatment to people who aren't quite ready for the injectables, um, yeah. but kind of want something a bit more than like, you know, a, a normal facial. Um, and I did see really great results. Um, I've had, you know, lasered facial. I recently tried the Lutronic laser facial, uh, which was was really good. I saw a really good um, improvement in my pores, actually, which um, is a big complaint by many people. Um, I've tried radio frequency for tightening. So I've tried the Linton um, device, which... I really liked uh, hydrofacial, of course, when it comes to facials. I also tried um, a new facial called Premi uh, Dermal Facial, which I tried at um, AMWC, which which was cool. They've coined the term the sustainable facial, okay. uh, which is interesting. And then chemical peels, I've given them a go as well. Uh, I've tried a Lumiere MD Imperiori. Um, of course, I didn't have them too aggressively, so I, you know, I haven't had, I haven't spent a month peeling all over the place just yet. So <laughs> save that for another day. Um, but yeah, definitely open to it. Um, you know, your L, your LED devices are great. So you know, Dermalux and Saluma uh, injectables. I've also tried injectables. Um, I remember as a as a real young kid going into the department store in Australia, I think I was age 16, yeah. and with my mum looking for eye cream because I always thought I had um, like baggy eyes. Yeah. That was at age 16. And, and, you know, I kind of thought as well, you know, like everyone else, a bit of eye cream can help. Mm. Um, so I never saw any real results there. It's something that I was kind of a little bit self-conscious of, I guess. Um, so I've had uh, tear trough filler. Um, with both the Bellatero and TSL range. Um, really happy with those results. What else? Of course, I've tried a lot of cosmeceutical skincare. I love my skincare um, and I'm very privileged to be able to be working with lots of different brands and have given pretty much everything a go. So um, plenty, plenty there. Uh, what have I missed, Harry? Probably oh, toxin, of course. I've yeah. given toxin a go. Um, one thing I will say, though, when it comes to toxin is I am keen to give some of the new brands a go because, yeah. as you'll know, it's been a real, um, you know, development in the last year here in the UK. We've had no new toxins out for so long. And then, you know, 2022 and 23 have been the year of toxins. So. Yeah really yeah. interesting but yeah i think that's a, a lot for you to get on with anyway a lot of i had a lot a lot of treatments <laughs> yeah, perfect as you said you're in the industry you've got to and when i do my training with delegates i say you've got to try some of the treatments yourself because patients will be asking you directly it's like 
going to a fat personal trainer that's got a KFC bucket, you're not going to go to them. But, hmm. but I probably would because I think that's my kind of trainer. But um, <laughs> as a clinician, you want to be uh, trying, not trying, but obviously experiencing the treatments so hmm. you can talk firsthand about your own experience. Yeah. And of course, you know, I would never, never uh, experience a treatment, which I feel wouldn't benefit me or anything yeah. like that. Um, I'm, I'm a real big advocate for that. So, um, but yeah, they're all, they're all very minimally, minimally invasive. Um, but yeah, it's really important when you're writing about these things and, and talking about them with the community, the, you understand them. And yeah. yeah, definitely. Perfect. And obviously we talk about the clinicians having treatments. That's one way they could market themselves. What, because you know a lot of clinicians, a lot of KOLs, you go to a lot of clinics. Um, what marketing have you found that's worked really well for clinicians? I mean, I think focusing on education is probably the, the vital thing. I know that everyone kind of probably says this, um, but really focusing on on the needs of the patients and what the real key questions they have are. I mean, yeah. if you ever get stuck for marketing ideas, all you need to do is 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 just listen to your patient in your consultation, jot down every question they ask, and you'll probably find that almost every patient is asking the same yeah. or similar questions. Um, and that's content. That's yeah. that's right for the picky. Of course, you're not going to say which patient said what, but um, you know, you you can say, you know, oh, my patient asked me what's the what's the best treatment for under eye lines. Um, yeah. So here here's the answer. Um, I think I think that's the best way. In terms of other marketing, I think, you know, collaborations are working really well at the moment, um, working with different types of practitioners. So if you're an aesthetic practitioner and, you know, you're getting asked about lifestyle advice and diet, for example, um, do some Instagram lives perhaps and collaborate with a nutritionist, um, yeah. you know, using other people's networks like that in a way that will benefit you both is a, is a great, a great um, approach. Uh, I think when it comes to marketing, Harry, and you'll probably agree with this, the interesting topical thing at the moment is the marketing of toxins to the public. Yeah. Um, and where we've got something in the journal next month kind of about this, but the ASA at the moment are becoming really savvy when it comes to picking up um, mentions of toxin. Of course, yeah, yeah. we all know that toxin, it's, it's, it's illegal to advertise toxin to the public. Yeah. Um, but there's so many people doing it still. So um, I think that's a, that's a big no-no. But, you know, understanding the ASA is a real key thing, I think, for ethical marketing, particularly in this, this healthcare sector that we're in. I think everyone does, you know, need to need to be aware of the rules. And I don't think it's an excuse to just say that, you know, you're naive or you didn't know. Yeah, no, because obviously I teach my delegates, say this is what you can say, what you can't say. And the first thing they say is, oh, all my medical friends or dentists are advertising this. I go, either they don't know the law mm. and ignore, or they do know it and ignoring it, as you said, mm. there's no excuse for being ignorant because it's widely publicized mm. and saying what you can't say. Um, so talking about that, what advice would you give to someone just starting out in aesthetics? So starting out, I think the real key thing is to firstly educate yourself as much as possible. Um, I think to become, um, you know, really successful in this industry, it's not about going on your two-day course and then off you go um, for the rest of your career. It's, you know, the courses are very much an intro hmm. to the to the industry, and it's up to you really um, to make sure that you're you know, developing your skills, you are immersing yourself with information, you're keeping up to date um, with everything that's going on. So 
I think that's that's the real key thing is education. Um, and as all medical professionals say, you know, they never stop learning. Yeah. Um, you know, <laughs> you've got your CPD, Harry, don't you, that you've got to do for your revalidation. Yeah. Um, and it's quite like we always go to exhibitions, conference to learn, and we've been doing it for, say, 20 odd years, but we're still learning. Mm. Mm, yeah exactly I think the other thing which is really key as well for those starting out is to kind of build a network um, of, of friends and colleagues within the industry um, you know people working with aesthetics can be quite you know feel quite isolated because you're yeah. in your clinical day you're you know you're seeing patients on a day-to-day basis um, and it can be quite isolating so I think you need to actively you know go out um, go to events uh, you know, follow people on on Instagram. Keep up with with what's going on in the industry. Subscribe to journals and magazines, um, and kind of you know join associations as well. That's that's really key, actually. So, um, really building that network um, is essential, I think, for for those who are kind of starting out, and also maintaining that for just long term success. Really. Yeah, perfect. Um, do you see sometimes people get overeducated? They want to learn about everything and every device and every procedure, and then they haven't got the demand from patients for it, and they wasted half their time and half their money on things they're never going to implement. Yeah, I mean, I think that is certainly um, a real concern of many people, actually. And I think that you've got to be really um, savvy when starting out when it comes to what treatments that you're choosing to um, perform and be educated in and I think you know start small um, yeah. become an expert in one area and then when you feel that you know you're you're at a really good level then you can look to take something else on um, I think also people do kind of particularly when with the devices which are huge um, investments yeah. some people kind of get a bit excited by a new a new bit of kit um, and then off they go and buy it and then they haven't really you know done enough research or have they don't even know if their patients you yeah, know, yeah, cool. their patient base needs that which yeah. is you know again a real crucial thing when it comes to marketing so um, I think I think you could never learn too much um, yeah. at all but I think you can really choose what to focus your learning on um, at one time to kind of really benefit your your time and your business perfect okay a um, controversial question um, what is your biggest pet peeve in aesthetics well I mean I absolutely love this industry Harry and I love every single character and individual working within I think it's such a weird and wonderful industry um my pet peeve I would say though is probably this industry does kind of draw a lot of say keyboard warriors I'd say um and sometimes these people aren't very kind so I think you know people who forget to be kind um you know I, I really I really um feel that that's a real shame that there are some of those people in this industry that that do that and I think that it's really important to treat um everyone with kindness um and I guess you know there's a lot of people who are very quick to kind of um go online and and judge and and voice their opinion um straight away which I'm not saying you know opinions I think all opinions are valid um but I think sometimes people are very quick to to judge um perhaps not understanding full scenarios um and you know I know that you know that's not something that I I um love I I myself as someone who kind of really values kind-hearted people who are very open and transparent um so you know I just hope that if anyone felt they have a had a problem that they'd be able to pick up the phone and have a chat to me about it um so that's probably one thing I feel in the industry is um my little pet peeve 
No, I totally agree. And yeah, I belong to a certain few forums on social media and you go, oh my God, if this is how, if, and you've got to think yourself, you've got to act in a professional way. If the GDC, yeah. GMC saw your comments, could you defend yourself in a um, case? So no, yeah. I totally agree with that. Uh, nearly wrapping up. So we mentioned um, the magazine, the awards and the conference. So let's have a look at each one. So if... Um, do you find people are scared to approach you guys to get article published or have ideas on articles? You know what? I don't think they're scared. I think that people sometimes don't have the confidence to actually kind of go, oh, you know what? I am an expert in this area. Um, and, you know, I think that I, I'm really onto something. I can share my I can share my my um, you know experience. I've got real value to add to others to help with their learning. So, um yeah, I don't say that people are scared. They're just a bit apprehensive, I'd say. But um, I would encourage, you know, anyone who's interested in being published, um, if you've got anything, um, any new ideas or interesting techniques or there's something that you've learnt um, in your own practice, then, you know, you can share that and um, we'd love to work with you. And I think that that's the key thing in this industry is that there are so many people who are willing to share their experiences um, and which which really does prolong the whole and evolve the whole industry. So it's really important. Yeah. Any generic tips you could give to people if they want to get article published in terms of content? Yeah, absolutely. So I think um, in terms of content, you know, you want you need to be doing something um, a little bit different, have a bit of a different angle. I mean we're a publication that we don't want to churn out the same article again and again. Um, At the end of the day, you know, our readers will get bored of it and then they'll stop reading the journal. So we really pride ourselves in... (laughs) Um, in, in delivering, you know, new innovations, um, different different views, um, new insights. So if you feel that you've got something, um, you know, that's different, then get in touch with us. Um, some people also do get in touch with us and just say, look, I'd love to write. Um, it's a real passion of mine or I, I want to kind of get my profile out there more. Um, and sometimes, you know, our team of journalists are amazing at uh, interviewing and getting to the crux of different things. So sometimes just having a conversation with one of the team, um, you're doing things that you didn't even know you yeah. were doing well. Yeah. So so sometimes our team just kind of have a chat and go, oh, okay, well, that's a really good idea, you know. Um, oh, you're doing X marketing strategy in your clinic that no one else is doing. That's interesting. Let's, let's you know, let's write about it. So, yeah. yeah, I would say that the key thing is just to always kind of think about that, about that if you can and and also just I have a I have a notepad on my phone and anytime I get an idea, I note it down. Yeah. Um and then that way, if, if you do have a conversation with a journalist, you can present with some ideas um, and that, that will really help. And I think, yeah, just, just really know that anything could be content. You know, the, the, the conversations you're having in your clinic, the, 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 the problems that you face, everyone else is probably facing those same problems. Yeah. So if That's you find a solution, I think you need to share it with everyone. They'd love to read about it. <laughs> um, maybe in a couple of years, time, would, you, would you have a, like a filter so you know they haven't come from chat GPT or either some AI software that's made up yeah. you know what harry it's so interesting actually i think that will be it's, in terms of like journalism and media it's a real debate um the use of chat gbt so it's something that myself as an you know as an editor it, i'm very i'm watching it very closely of course yeah, yeah. so yeah <laughs> perfect okay so second category is awards so same again um what's your advice on people obviously is to enter awards um 
one of I know it's like the old wives say tales that people say, oh, the awards are fixed. People are it's always the same winners. Obviously, we know that, and I've judged for a few awards, and so I know the impartiality that occurs. Mm -hmm. So, but in terms of any tips to enter awards, they can give our listeners. Yeah, I mean, there's so many. Again, um, the real basic ones which people get wrong all the time is just simply reading the question. Um, you know. I think the way the way award ceremonies go is that you put an entry in and you have to fulfill the criteria. Yeah. Um, if you don't answer the questions um, or you don't you don't answer the questions in full, then you yeah. don't meet the criteria. It's as simple as that. Um, and even if you believe you are the best clinic in your area, um, if you haven't answered the questions properly, the judges will not um, judge you kindly, essentially. So um, yeah. real, real easy tip there. Um, make sure you get someone to read your entry. Um, Spelling and grammar errors are riddled um, with, it, with awards entries. And again, the judges, um, I've had lots of feedback from judges that said, oh, you know, this was a great entry, but I marked them down because they're spelling errors, um, yeah. things like that. So get your get your team um, or someone you trust to, to look over your entry from a, from a real objective view um, and check that as well. Um, the other thing is, you know, be authentic. Um, remember that the judges are real people who are reading your entry it's not it's not done through you know it's not done through AI or, or yeah. anything so um, we don't just uh, plug it in and see what scores come out yeah, yeah. Um, so you've got to be authentic and you've, you've got to kind of um, make sure that you're um, providing evidence for the, the statements you're making um, and be authentic Perfect. And then do you also find people don't allow enough time to collect the evidence and prepare for the award entries? What do you think would be a good time frame or time preparation for them to enter? It's funny, Harry, because I recently applied for some awards. Um, we apply for awards as well. So we know the, the, the blood, sweat and tears and stress that goes into writing a, a good awards entry. Um, you, you need, I think, you know, if whatever whatever the time you think it's going to take, I would you know quadruple it. Mm. Um, I I would say it takes a lot of time. Um, in terms of gathering the evidence, what you should be doing across the year is gathering evidence that you feel really showcases you know your excellent work um, and have a look at what you needed for your entries last year. Often the criteria doesn't change too much, so yeah. be gathering that across the year, um, putting it in a folder, and then when you go to write your entry, you've got everything there, and that's a huge time saver, I think. Um, but yeah. I would say, you know, give yourself a day to write the entry at the very least. Um, and, you know, I would say if you start working on it a month before the end date, end date um, yeah. then that will probably give you a little bit less stress, I'd say. <laughs> and also planning ahead because you, you're going to improve your patient journey, patient care by looking at where you could improve yourself. So mm. as well as maybe not winning, but I've found when I haven't won, it's actually improved my practice anyway because I was collecting evidence for the awards and mm -hmm. I go, there's a plug, there's a hole there. I need to really improve that part of the mm -hmm. patient journey. Yeah, absolutely. There's one question that a lot of people kind of don't um, fill out properly, actually, which is kind of your um, quantitative and qualitative results of your patient satisfaction survey. Yeah. Um, there are some people who kind of say, oh, we don't do a patient satisfaction survey. Um, <laughs> And, and the fact of the matter is you need to. You need to know yeah. what your patients think of your services. That, that is one way to understand, you know, what you're doing well as a practitioner. Um, so you should also celebrate your successes, uh, but also, you know, where you need to improve. And I think that's really important. Yeah, perfect. And finally, conferences. Obviously, 
you guys hold one of the biggest conferences um, in the UK. Um, so people get daunted because obviously this different themes happening, the sponsors, companies. So what would you advise people going to exhibitions conferences, how they could make the best use of their time? I think that's such a crucial point, actually, Harry. And I did this the other day where I went to a conference and I hadn't planned anything. And then I thought, wow, okay, gosh, there's lots on. Don't know where I'm supposed to be. Now I just feel a bit overwhelmed. Um, and what do I do with this time? So I think, you know, your time is so valuable. You need to really prevent that and make the most of it. Um, so I think the first thing is to register early, um, get it in the diary. Don't uh, get to the week and go, oh, crap, I'm supposed to be going to this event for two days. Now I'm really stressed. Um, so don't be doing that. Have a look at the agenda. Um, you know, we use apps now, which are really useful. You can kind of go on to the app and flag what you, um, what sessions you want to attend, and create your own agenda. So I recommend that if the if the event does that, you know, use, utilize those services, plan what sessions really matter to you. Um, have a look at the exhibitors, see what companies you know you might want to go in and have a look at. Um, if you're looking to buy a laser, for example, um, and the event has you know ten laser companies. Do you think, oh, am I going to get around to all of them? Yeah. Um, probably, probably not. So have a look at the top five that you really feel um, are, are, you know, ones that are, will be on your list um, and plan that out. And of course, kind of make sure you just leave a little bit of leeway because sometimes it is great to go to these things and to just wander around and explore. Um, you know, you shouldn't plan your time to a T. Um, you, you'll always run into someone um, on your way to a session yeah. and then you'll realise, oh, no. <laughs> yeah, and then, and then you've missed the session so also leave time for that <laughs> perfect perfect now time's really found by shannon thank you for your time um if our listeners um want to find out more information about the conference the a magazine and awards where where can they go well, thank you so much for having me, Harry. It's been an absolute delight chatting to you today. Uh, so they can go to www.aestheticsjournal.com. It's probably the best place to go. Um, that's our Aesthetics Journal page, and you can link to all of our events there. Um, of course, you, you're more than welcome anytime to send me an email, um, shannon.kilgariff at easyfairs.com, or you can follow me on Instagram as well, at Shannon Kilgariff. Perfect. And maybe on TikTok we follow you as well. <laughs> well, I do need to start doing some more TikToks, Harry, so uh, maybe in due course. <laughs> and for the listeners, we'll obviously put all those links um, in the podcast episode so you can um, click those links. So no, thank you again, Shannon, for your um, experience in the last eight years and what you've seen in the aesthetics industry. And I'm sure our listeners got massive amount of information, tips, especially about the awards, articles and exhibitions. So thank you again. Thanks so much, Harry. Thanks, everyone. Bye.